Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On this episode, I'm joined by Jessica Judd, General Manager of Bone Dry Roofing in Fort Collins, Colorado. Growing up in the roofing industry afforded her many opportunities to learn the business from the inside out. After college, with the vision of continuing in the business her dad created over 30 years ago, she headed out west. After time spent in distribution, an opportunity arose to learn the commercial side of roofing. With this experience in hand and a strong network, it was time to bring Bone Dry Roofing to Colorado. So let's get this show started. Hey, Jess, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Thomas. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, before we get too far, I have to tell you that you know you post some some really cool photos on Instagram that you know are just beautiful, and uh, I, I promise we're going to get into you know talking more about your journey into roofing. But you know, what's it like living in Colorado? Oh, it's amazing. You know, I didn't I didn't grow up in Colorado. I'm originally from Indiana, so right. making the move out here as a recent college graduate was kind of intimidating. You know, I didn't have any family or friends out here, um, but it's been by far like the best best decision I've ever made, and really try and soak up as much outdoor time as I can. Yeah, it's a big difference in landscape from from Indiana to, to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah for sure. But it's amazing out here. So. You seem to be taking advantage of it because I, I see all these beautiful pictures of mountains and lakes and and you know trails and and everything else. And that's uh, really cool. I uh, as a side note, like it's pictures are really neat. Thank you. Yeah, my my dogs necessitate a lot of outdoor time. So <laughs> I love it. We enjoy. What kind of dogs? Um, I have a Weimariner who is six and a yellow lab who is seven. Okay. Um, yeah, and we're fostering a puppy right now too. So we have a house full. Nice, nice. I love it. We've got a, uh, like an 80, 85 pound golden doodle and, uh, he was a oh, hundred pounds, but he's only supposed to be like 70. So <laughs> we had to, we had to, oh, shit. we had to give him a diet. Down. Yeah. <laughs> So we we, yeah. we recently moved down here to uh, the Baltimore DC area, and uh, we've been really active and just outside running, walking, biking, and we've made it a priority that you know every time we go for a, a two or three mile you know walk, we we bring him, and so he's he's lost fifteen pounds since he's been here. So I think I think he's enjoying it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I've never been to DC, but it's on my list someday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what? When and if if you ever get uh, tired of the beautiful scenery out there, you'll have to make a trip out here. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, so, anyways, I wanted to uh, you know kind of get into uh, you know understanding or learning how you got into the roofing industry. And so, I know you mentioned you know you grew up in Indianapolis, but maybe walk us through you know uh, what that was like and and what got you started in this industry. Yeah. Um, so my dad owns a roofing company back in in Indianapolis which he started in 1989, I believe. Uh, so he just celebrated his 30th year in business last awesome. year, which is really exciting. 
Um, so I grew up, you know, always around the industry. Um, actually, I always tell the story like as a punishment, you know, when I was misbehaving with babysitters, I had to ride along with my dad all day. Um, so it's kind of funny how that's transitioned from <laughs> something that I was, you know, forced to do as a punishment and now is something that I, I love and appreciate. Um, so I was always kind of hanging around the office, would do take any opportunity to ride along with some of the sales guys and learn as much as I can. Um, and then, you know, once I got old enough to actually work and get paid for it, I started uh, filing papers for him after school. I would go into the office for two or three hours, file paperwork, and then eventually that translated to working in the customer service department, which then changed to working on his accounting team all through college. And, you know, it really gave me an appreciation for what they did, what they do. I love the fact that, you know, his team does a really great job um, and has set themselves apart in the market, at least in my opinion, I'm pretty biased, but um <laughs> Yeah, so got started watching him do his thing. And then after I graduated college, you know, we had a conversation about whether I would start working from him for him directly out of school or do something else for a little bit. And both kind of agreed that getting some experience outside of the Indianapolis and bone dry sphere would be good. So moved to Colorado, had about five years out here working for a couple other companies, which was honestly amazing, um, learned a lot. And then just recently, earlier this year, we opened up a bone drive West and got a Colorado office. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of yeah. people kind of, uh, get into, get into, um, roofing as a, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a job they had when they were younger, um, you know, whether it be in high school or, or college um, and whether it be in sales or the production side. So it's interesting. Yeah, I think you bring a kind of a, a different perspective in that you grew up in, in sort of a, well, say like a roofing family, right? Like that was, that was what, uh, you know, your, your dad had built this really good business and you got to see kind of what that looked like firsthand. Uh, did you think, you know, throughout, call it high school, did you think that that, you know, this would be something you do post-college or, or was it just like at the time, Hey, this is a, this is an opportunity to learn and, and maybe make some money. And, uh, but not necessarily, uh, what you were going to do as a career, say after college. Um, for me, it was always, always the goal. Um, I think that my parents really pushed me to explore other career options. I mean, the contracting world is a pretty demanding, demanding job. You know, it can be hard on family life, especially in the summer, um, the busy season, you know? So I think while I was never, ever dissuaded from following in that footstep, I think they wanted to make sure that I, I went into it aware of the challenges um, but on, I don't think I ever really took another job seriously. Um, I had some opportunities out of business school to work for some larger corporations. And I like the small business mindset. And I love the fact that, you know, no two days are the same. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I love the aspect of, 
I started in the tearing off reefs, but then I got into sales. And either way, I just, I enjoyed not being in an office. And for me, it was like, yeah. it's just so nice to to get out and go meet with people and talk to them. Uh, so it's definitely, that's definitely can be a draw. Yeah. That d- well, and one of my favorite things, sorry, um, that I've like grown in, I guess, is, you know, I grew up in working for dad and his business is predominantly residential, yes. um, at least the majority of it. But in the experience that I gathered in Colorado after college, you know, my, my knowledge of commercial roofing was really pushed and I have some really great mentors out here, uh, who I've learned from. And so that's a separate challenge that I really, really love working in the commercial roofing sphere. Um, so that's something that we at the Colorado office are really pushing, whether it's multifamily or low slope. So it's been cool to kind of learn a different segment of the industry that I've been so familiar with for so long. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um it's it's funny, there's kind of like this inner battle battle within within roofing of like, oh, you do steep slope or oh you do low slope and you know one of you isn't a real roofer and one of you is. And so <laughs> I always think it's funny when, when, when the two sides, it's all different it, it, challenges with both though. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I just know. like the, the kind of, uh, uh, it's joking that goes on, you know, back and forth between the two of, <laughs> you know, one's not a roofer, one is <laughs> yeah, a roofer. And sure those, yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah. So that, that was one of the things I wanted to touch on, you know, when you, when you decided to make that move to Colorado, um, and, and kind of get a different experience, you know, did you think going out there that you wanted to learn the commercial side or did that kind of just happen? It happened organically. Um, I was working on the distribution side for a little bit okay. and the, the team that I kind of settled in at the distribution company tended to be a little bit more commercial contractor focused. Sure. Um, so I really got to get some experience on at least being exposed to commercial roofing. You know, I think any good distributor partner is going to provide knowledge and help to their clients. So, you know, that was, that is probably one of the biggest mentors that I've had in Colorado and still have is, you know, the group that I was working with on the commercial side at the distributor. And, you know, I still call them when I run into problems or have questions about, a, a, you know, a tricky project. They're always still available and it's nice to kind of kick around ideas. So, um, no, it happened completely organically, but after that initial introduction, you know, I worked on the contractor side here in Colorado for a few years before rejoining bone dry and, focused on commercial restoration. Yeah. So, so tell me about that. Are you, so now that you have this, um, location in Colorado, um, is is it a mix of, of residential and commercial? Yeah. Yep. Um, we, we do both. I would say, you know, we have a really strong residential team. We do a lot of work with realtors and property managers. Um, you know, most of the business that we've generated thus far has been, you know, 95% organic referral, repeat client, um, that kind of stuff, which is really awesome. You know, we've had a couple other roofing companies that operate out of other states actually reach out because their brother, uncle, whoever (laughs) lives out here and 
they got hit by a hailstorm and they need help. So um, we do both. Uh, we we definitely love the commercial projects, um, multifamily, but I think it's healthy to have a little bit of a balance, healthy financially to have a little bit of a balance. Um, obviously, larger commercial projects take more time. Um, the cash flow is a little bit of a longer longer lead time, um, whereas residentials are pretty quick. Yeah. Quick turn. So. Now, do you you're doing um, Colorado's big on um, for insurance work, and yes. and you know there there is some of that obviously in, in, in excuse me in Indiana, um, and sort of that that you know Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, that area. Um, but it, but there's a lot of retail work there. Do you see a lot of retail work in Colorado, or is it or is it almost exclusively you know storm driven? So. I think it depends on the contractor. Um, you know, we've always, I don't know how to phrase it, I guess. I think it's good to have, like, same thing. It's good to have a balance. This year, specifically in Colorado, was a pretty light hail year. Yep. You know, there was a decent-sized storm in Colorado Springs. There was a storm up north in Cheyenne, but definitely not as much activity as we've had on the Front Range the past few years. Um, and I also think that you're getting a higher educated consumer base, you know, like the homeowners now have gone through three or four claims in the last 10 years. Well, Colorado got pummeled. Was it a year or two ago? Just storm after storm after storm. Since 17, 17, you know, 17, 18, 19 were huge storm years. Yeah. And I did a, a project earlier this year for a townhome community that, you know, that was their fourth roof replacement in 10 years. Wow. So, you know, if you're an insurance-based contractor and you don't know how to value sell, I think it's going to get harder and harder for you to be successful in, in the market. There's always going to be, you know, success door knocking and everything like that. I'm definitely not knocking that. Um, but I think it's good to know how to sell retail as well. Because soon we're going to see deductibles skyrocket. I mean, if you have a 3% deductible in Colorado, a huge chunk of your roof project is going to be out of pocket. So people are going to start caring a little bit more about the value that they're getting out of the project. Yeah, no, you bring up a great point. I, I, you know, some of the uh, contractors that I've spoken to in Colorado do want to make it a priority to, you know, be retail driven first um, with obviously the ability to, to take those uh, storm claims. Um, but yeah, I, I'd agree. I think it's really important that from a sales perspective that you're able to um, continue to sell and operate without being dependent on, on a weather event. Well, yeah. And I just, I think it's a good, healthy business to, you know, like I will definitely take advantage of the storms when and if they happen and make sure that our clients are taken care of, but not shying away from retail jobs you know, as we, as we do that, I think it's good to have a mix. Yeah. And so, you know, you opened that branch. Was it, was it earlier this year? Was it last year? It was June 1st actually was our. Okay. So right in the middle of a pandemic, no problem with that, right? (laughs) Yeah. I think there was a little bit of stress going into that. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, it's worked out great. No complaints. Are you, um, what do you see? And I mean, are people taking, uh, you know, in-person appointments or are you doing virtual stuff or what's that look like? 
Um, so I really think it depends on the client. You kind of have to be able to shift to meet their needs. You know, I mean, we're still available to meet with clients, obviously, um, maintaining distance. We're definitely not going into people's homes to sit down at their kitchen table and meet with them. Um, but we definitely listen to, to what they want. You know, some people don't really care or aren't prioritizing it. Um, yeah. But still also, you know, making sure that our employees are feeling comfortable as well. Right. right. Um, right. So it, it totally depends. I mean, I would say it's gradually moving back to business as usual for us now. Um, but when it first started, it was, you know, a couple months of, no real in-person meeting. So. Yeah, no, that, uh, that definitely makes sense. It just has to be interesting, you know, starting something new in the middle of that where it's not, not a typical year um, and having to, you know, overcome those uh, uh, obstacles. Um, the, sorry, I didn't, didn't, didn't uh, if you had this, if you were going to say something, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, I, uh, I definitely just think that you know, our team has done a really, really good job of kind of overcoming that struggle. And also, I mean, by far the biggest thing that helped us get through the slower months was just the word of mouth, you know, having our clients give our information to their friends and family and neighbors. And that got us through the months where we weren't really reaching out for business, I guess. Yeah. What what are some of the other differences that, that you've noticed um or that maybe as a as a larger company as Bone Dry have have noticed by you know being in sort of that, that I guess I call it like the central region, you know, the, the Indiana, Ohio region, um, versus being in Colorado. Are you seeing anything different from a you know, customer perspective on the marketing front? You know, are people responding to the same type of uh, you know, messaging? Um so it's funny just because it's so hard to compare the two and my dad and I have this conversation pretty frequently because, you know, bone dry in Indianapolis has been in business for 31 years now. Uh, you know, the calls come to them and it's yeah. because they people know who bone dry is. Yeah. So long. Um, starting a greenfield office or, you know, this is a whole separate company. It's not, it's not an office of bone dry. Um, is different, right? I mean, we're out actively trying to make those relationships. Um, we do, it is funny, you know, we drive around these big bright red trucks that say <laughs> bone dry, bone dry on the side. So it's surprising to me constantly how often I get stopped pulling into a supermarket and walking in to grab groceries, you know, with, uh, client who needs a roof repair or whatever um happened yesterday you know i was up in summit county driving around enjoying the fall and got a call saying from a client saying that uh he had seen our truck driving around and needed a roof repair done so you know it's we're really big on organic marketing dad for the longest time didn't spend 
much money on getting bone drive name out there. You know, he's big on just taking good quality care of the clients and then kind of letting them be your marketing tool. Right. Um, so it's different just because in the indie office, you know, the calls come in, whereas here we're, we have to be a little bit more proactive with projects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you're from Indianapolis, sorry, if you're from Indianapolis, you know who bone dry is and there's, you know, dozens of trucks uh, out and driving around and, and you probably know somebody that had their roof replaced by bone dry. Uh, so it's certainly, I can imagine a different experience. I'd be, I'd be curious if you run into anybody um, in Colorado who's like, oh, bone dry, you know, I'm from, from Indianapolis. <laughs> and they have that kind of feeling of like, I, I know who you are. It's kind of like a comforting thing. You know, I haven't heard of it, but that'd be cool. That'd be cool if it did happen. Um, I think one of my coworkers recently ran into a guy who grew up in Carmel, which is just north of Indianapolis. And, you know, that was a conversation that we were having. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, totally different. I think I like the challenge of it a little bit and it's cool to, uh, it's cool to kind of walk through the steps that, that dad went through when he first started. Yeah, you're sort of blazing your own trail out there in, in, in Colorado without anybody knowing who Bone Dry Bone Dry Roofing is. So you're essentially uh it, it's essentially like starting a new company, right? I mean you you're you're trying to build up your brand, uh, you know, let people know that you're out there. Um that's yeah. really interesting. I wanted yeah, to Yeah, it's been super Sorry, I, I wanted to ask you about um, you know, from a from a sales side, like what is what is your sales process like and is it did you were you able to leverage kind of what what Bone Dry does in 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 Indianapolis to kind of put together that sales process that that you guys are using out uh, in Colorado? Um, yeah, so we do have we do have a sales process that somewhat mimics the Indianapolis or Bone Dry Midwest um, steps, but. Same thing. I mean, out here, it's a different market. You're competing against a lot bigger of a pool of contractors. Um, and honestly, I think the clientele base is a little different just because, you know, nine times out of 10 with a homeowner, it's not going to be a retail project. Um, right. So it totally depends. I mean, our our sales process on the commercial side is is way different than the sales process that we have on residential clients. Um, I think the one thing that does stay consistent is just our, uh, the mentality that the client comes first, right? Um, follow through, execute on what you promise, make sure that they're happy at the end of the day. That's really, really the biggest thing. Um, but, you know, we do a ton of repairs and I think that's, uh, that's something that really helps grow our business as quickly as it has, just because we don't shy away from, you know, the $250 repair that a client can't find anyone else to do. Um, especially summertime here in Colorado, it's really hard. I mean, this is, you know, not a generalization, but it is hard for clients to find a contractor that wants to, you know, pull away from the big reroutes to go yeah. and do a handful of small repairs. So that's by, by and large been our, our easiest in with property managers and some of our 
our commercial clients like, hey, we'll take care of those repairs for you, you know, in a timely manner. And I'm a big believer in the fact that you have to do the little jobs in order to get the big job. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, a lot of people are are scared, not scared of maybe, uh, but the, the repairs typically or, or in people's perception don't carry as, as good of a profit as, you know, full roof replacement. And so a lot of them um, push those off. But I, I've talked to a lot of contractors that actually uh, thrive on having those repair jobs because like you said, they, they lead to, um, first of all, brand awareness. You're out there taking care of a problem that they couldn't get taken care of by, you know, maybe another contractor or two or three that they've called. And so when they do need a, a roof replacement, a full roof replacement, you're there to, you know, to be able to do that. And also I imagine there's, there's a potential where you get called out for repair and, and, you know, your team identifies that, you know, there's, there's hail damage or wind damage or something like that. And the repair is able to be, um, you know, upsold into a, a complete replacement. Are you, are you seeing that out there as well? Um, yeah, definitely. I'm also a big fan of giving client clients options, right? Um, like a good, better, best option. Sometimes you go on a roof and you know it's probably nearing the end of its life, needs to be replaced. But hey, you know, like if we do these two repairs, it might push it through another six months, you know, or six months to a year, whatever. So that they can budget for the replacement, right? Um, we definitely do. We've for sure been called out to properties that want to repair a pipe jack or something like that, and the roof is hailed out. I mean, in Colorado, you'd be hard-pressed to find a neighborhood on the Front Range that hasn't been hit by hail in the last two or three years. Um, but sometimes, you know, the client just really wants to do the repair and doesn't yeah. want to open a claim or doesn't doesn't have an, didn't own the house when it got hit by hail, so can't open the claim. They just need to fix the roof repair. Um, so that's where like educating our guys on what routes the client have is has is really important. Yeah, that's great. Now, do you are you presenting um, when when you're presenting prices? Is this are you presenting a retail price essentially? And then, I mean, how do you how do you work with that verse if there is storm damage? You you then don't present a retail price. Um, I think we kind of let the client lead us. Okay. We have a lot of clients who have hail and are probably going to open a claim, but want to know, you know, like a ballpark number of where that roof replacement is valued at. Um, obviously, having the conversation with the adjuster, it's it's hard to give retail pricing on an insurance claim, especially if you're going up against other contractors, because sometimes they'll bid, super, throw out a number super low, but put language out in their contract that they're going to do it for what insurance approves. And they'll get that signature and then, you know, take it up where you know, we try and put ours together to be as accurate as we can. Obviously, it's probably not going to match exactly what your insurance company pays you. Right. But walking, I think if you, I think if you educate the client well enough on what that process looks like, you know, you either give them a good quality bid where, you know, if they go to their insurance company and give that bid to their adjuster, that's probably what the adjuster is going to pay. You yep. know, if they're like, hey, this is who I'm working with, and this is the bid that they gave me, the adjuster is going to pay that amount 
versus putting together an exactment, especially if they think their exactment is going to be higher. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, it takes education. If people have gone through the process before, they usually don't ask for retail bids. But we get a lot of adjusters who push their clients to make sure that they, they're getting three bids. And, you know, it's at, at heart because they're looking out for the clients. Um, so we try not to shy away from providing the retail bid if a client asks for it on a claim just because they're trying to do their due diligence. Yep. No, absolutely. That's great. Um, you know, as we, uh, you know, start to wrap this up, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, what is, what, what was it like, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, let's say, um, in the industry versus where it is today relative to, you know, it's such a male dominated industry and here you are, you know, doing great things, blazing trails. Um, uh, you know, what's, what's it been like from a reception of people that you work with? Um, as well as, you know, other peers in the industry. Yeah, well, the biggest change is like Eagle Views and Hovers because I remember riding along with my dad and, you know, we were joking about it last week because he was in Colorado, just the time that it took to hand measure every roof that you were <laughs> on versus now you're just able to grab, you know, six photos and have measurements back to you in 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, I tried not to think too much about how it is to be a woman in the industry. I mean, I have a lot of really close industry partners that are also female. Um, I don't run into too many other females on the contracting side. I know they're out there. Obviously I, I have, there's another roofing company based out of Denver where one of the owners is a woman and it's actually really great because we'll text and, you know, just trade information or talk about experiences, whatever, um, which I appreciate that so much. But I think like anything, there's just as many pros as there are cons. I've definitely run into people that are maybe a little bit difficult to work with because of that or find the need to say something or whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, I... <laughs> My, at my old company, I had a group of clients who were all females, you know, uh, really some fantastic powerhouse women in northern Colorado that I was working with and doing their roofing work. And, you know, I think I get just as many people saying, oh, my God, I love working with a female in the industry. You know, I'm so it's so cool that you're a woman roofer like that's so much more of the stuff that I would focus rather focus on than the two people who maybe say something that frustrate me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, you mentioned the technology aspect and um, certainly as it relates to kind of the demographic of the industry, but I've certainly seen over the last, you know, eight to 10 years, a, a sort of a really big change in the industry where it's embracing of, you know, this new technology that's out there and implementing that, that into helping them, you know, helping their businesses grow. So it's great to see as well as, you know, the diversity in the industry and seeing groups like, you know, National Women in Roofing and seeing all the great things that they're doing. So I think it's really a good sign that the that the industry as a whole is is maturing and, and progressing and, uh, you know, affording these type of opportunities to to do really well and, and make it a career and, and be proud of the work that, that, that we do. Um, so it's really yeah, it's good to hear. I agree. It's been a, 
it's been a fun experience. We're lucky enough to have a super fun team of people to work with uh, here in Colorado. So, you know, we each have our own challenges in the industry, but some of us are more high tech than others. Right. I think I'm on the <laughs> non high tech side, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's been fun and it allows, it allows us to do our job more accurately and a little bit more time efficiently. So yeah, take advantage of that where you can. I feel like, you know, with those pictures that you post, you just sort of disconnect and, and get lost in the, in the mountains and the, you know, the great outdoors that are out there in Colorado. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people can relate to the fact that your phone rings nonstop all day long. Right. So, you know, whatever time I can get out of cell phone service, I, uh, I try and favor. That's great. Um, two last things. Uh, first one, is you know what what do you attribute your success to you know i know you've done a lot of great things um i heard a lot of great things about you when you were um selling commercially before you know um starting this uh, venture with bone dry uh but what 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 do you attribute that success to oh um my one of my best friends who uh, i used to work with him and i used to always joke around and talk about how it's really not too hard to exceed expectations with clients, right? Um, We hear consistently that, oh, you know, I had two other people come out here and you're the third one, but the other two haven't called me back, right? Or they didn't even show up to the appointment or they weren't on time, whatever. Um, so we always joke that it's not too hard to exceed expectations as long as you're on time and you follow up. Um, aside from that, to be honest, I'm super lucky. You know, I, I grew up with great, great mentors around me who have really embraced teaching me as much as, as much as they can about the roofing industry. And not only that, but you know, how to be in business with integrity. Uh, so I think that, a lot of it's just luck and being around the people that I've been around, but um, really prioritizing the client. I think a lot of my clients know that, you know, if they call me at 7 PM with an emergency roof leak, like someone will be out there to take care of them. Um, I'm always available. Even if I can't do anything right then I can at least pick up the phone. So I don't know for sure if there's one thing, but I think that, prioritizing your client, you know, something, the mentality that I grew up around where clients come first is why I am where I am, I think. Yeah, that's great. Um, Last, last thing I had for you is, is, you know, what sort of advice uh, could you offer to, um, you know, other people that are interested in, in getting into roofing, whether it be on the production side or the sales side or the operations side, you know, what advice would you have for them as they kind of make that journey into, into the industry? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I think that my biggest advice would be to, well, like the first thing would be to really do some, some research on, you know, like who you're going to work for and making sure that like you're, you're choosing the right company to go and work for, right? Like there's pros and cons with every company. And uh, 
you know, you just want to make sure that you're surrounding yourself in an environment that is going to benefit you as well. It's really easy in the roofing industry. Like I've seen it everywhere, you know, to maybe get pulled into just situations that aren't good or not healthy, whatever. So doing research on who you're going to work for and then also just like not being afraid of the knowledge that you're going to have to gain, right? I mean, one of our production supervisors is an old mason, ran his dad's masonry company for a few years. And, um, you know, there's a huge learning curve involved and you kind of have to be open to saying, I don't know, and asking for help because, you know, roofing is a pretty specific trade and there's lots of ways to do things and opening yourself up to learning from people is so important. And also, like, I mean, I've been in the industry for a long time. I don't know the best way how to do everything. I still ask for help. I still ask for advice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, having an open mind and, and being uh, humble in the approach of that, you know, there is still stuff to be learned that that you don't know. I think that's good for for both, you know, uh, people getting into the industry, but also ones that have been in the industry for for a while, as you mentioned. Like, there's always there's always more to learn. And I think when you stop learning, that's that's when you're susceptible to uh, you know complacency and those type of things. Well, Jess, yeah. this has been really great. Really enjoy having you on. I know you're going to do really, really good things um, out there in Colorado um, outside of just, you know, the hiking. I think you're going to do <laughs> going to do great things on the, on the roofing front and help a lot of people. So really appreciate you coming on. And uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow one of our social channels. Until next time, see you.